0: Dear Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that you love us and you loved us so much. You gave your only one. And through Jesus, we have the hope of resurrection because he was raised from the dead. He conquered death and Hades. And now he's sitting on the right hand of the Father. And he is the one who is interceding for us. And we pray, Lord, that you would send your spirit. So he would open the book of Revelation for us this morning. Because we are studying chapter 4 and 5. Help us to focus on your word. And receive it. And bring forth f- fruits for eternal Eternity. In Jesus' name we ask and thank you. Amen. Do you like the book of Revelation? Do you study the book? Because in Revelation there is something very unique. I think I mentioned to you several times, but I just need to repeat myself that in the book of Revelation we find 404 verses. It's easy to remember, 404. But Revelation makes references or allusions to 2,000 different places In Both in the Old and the New Testament. So, if you divide the 2,000 references by 400, if you round the number, you will end up with five. Which means that on an average of one verse, you will find five references to other parts of the Bible. In other words, if you want to understand the book of Revelation, you need to read the whole Bible. And whenever you want to explain Revelation, you need to read the rest of the Bible. Because all the summary of everything is packed in this book. And today, I want to do something which I've never done before. I want to read two chapters. Just reading two chapters, and I I will make a few comments afterwards. That's going to be my sermon. But I'd like to read those two chapters, five and four and five, because that's where we find a very uh, interesting uh, heavenly worship scene. You probably remember that some time ago I had a series on the worship scenes of Revelation. We covered all of them. But today we would like to, I would like to focus on these two chapters. They belong together. So please turn with me to Revelation chapter four. And before making any comments, these are two short chapters. Don't worry. They won't take too much time, maybe three, four minutes. I'd like to read Revelation four and five in a row. And then focus on three key persons of these two chapters. So, Revelation 4, beginning with verse 1. John says, After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice, which I heard, was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he who sat sat there was like a jasper, and the sardius stone in appearance And there was a rainbow around the throne, in appearance like an emerald. Around the throne were twenty-four thrones. And on those thrones I saw twenty-four elders sitting, clothed in white robes. And they had crowns of gold on their heads. And from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Before the throne, there was a sea of glass like crystal. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second living creature like a calf. The third living creature, like a face, face like a a man. And the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within. And they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open a scroll and to lose its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. So I wept much, because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, don't weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose loose its seal, seven seals. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Now when he had taken the scroll the four living creatures, and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000, and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all That are in them I heard saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Then the four living creatures said, Amen. And the twenty-four elders fell down and worshipped him who lives forever and ever. How do you feel? This is one huge picture, or if you will, it's a combination—a very intricate combination of symbols taken from all different parts of the of the Bible. And uh, today I'm not going into details, so please don't wait for an explanation of all these symbols because if I decided to do so, I can assure you that we would spend the rest of next week uh, just sitting and then talking about Revelation 4 and 5. But this is a concluding part of a mini-series about true worship. So this complex picture Of a heavenly worship. Is is talking about. Three main persons. One is. The one who is sitting. On the throne. So the focus is. On God. And not on ourselves. And we know from. Steps to Christ. That worship or prayer. Brings us up to God. And it doesn't bring. God down to us so when it comes to worship we really need to understand that we are focusing on the main characteristics of God and before we go uh, into more details I'd like to read a few things for you from uh, testimonies to ministers and gospel workers five short quotations and this is on page 112 through page 118. Testimonies to Ministers and Gospel Workers by Ellen White. On page 112, I, f- I found the following. There is need for a much closer study of the Word of God, especially should Daniel and the Revelation have attention as never before in the history of our work. Would you agree with this? So we should have a much closer study, especially Daniel and Revelation. The second quotation is, on page 113, When we as people understand what this book, and this is a reference to Revelation, means to us, there will be seen among us a great revival. Please remember this. If we want to have revival, we need to study the book of Revelation. The third quotation is is found on page 114. When the books of Daniel and Revelation are better understood, believers will have an entirely different religious experience. They will be given such glimpses of the open gates, referring to Revelation 4.1. Open gates of heaven that heart and mind will be impressed with the character that all must develop. In order to realize the blessedness, which is to be rewarded to the pure in heart. So we will see some glimpses of the open gates of heaven. And that's what we are going to do this afternoon. The next quotation is on page 116. Study Revelation in connection with Daniel, for history will be repeated. We, with all our religious advantages, ought to know far more today than we do know. So there is much room for study. And then finally... On page 118, this is the fifth quotation, it says, If our people were half awake, if they realized the nearness of the events portrayed in the Revelation, a reformation would be wrought in our churches, and many more would believe the message. If you want to have more people in this church, More friends, more visitors, then we need to share something with them about the book of Revelation. So Reformation or revival, both dependent on the book of Revelation. And now let's, let's go to this first part of Revelation, Revelation chapter four, uh, especially verse three. So Revelation 4 and verse 3. It says, And he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardius stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. So she, or, or he is not describing, John is not describing the form of the father. But he simply is saying that there was somebody sitting on the throne. And then she is mentioning a few precious stones like jasper, sardius, or emerald. What do we know about jasper? Jasper is a flashing white precious stone. Sardius, on the other hand, is reddish, and emerald has a greenish color. So, if you want to explain this, I'm not going into more detail, but I mentioned that flashing white would symbolize purity. That's for sure. Sardius, the reddish, would symbolize God's self-sacrifice, of course. Emerald green could mean two things. One is justice, the other is mercy. And in God, the two are combined, justice and mercy. What about the rainbow? John saw a rainbow around the throne. Why is rainbow so important? Well, if you turn your Bibles to the very first book, Genesis. In chapter 9, God made a covenant. Well, in Genesis, you will find many, many covenants. But in this case, God is making an everlasting covenant. So please come with me to Genesis 9, 12 to 17. God is talking to Noah. And this is after the flood. And God said, verse 12. There is the sign of the covenant which I made between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. I set my rainbow. Please note this. My rainbow. Okay, My rainbow, God said. In the cloud, and it shall be for the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. It shall be when I bring a cloud over the earth that the rainbow, this is the second time he's mentioning, the rainbow shall be seen in the cloud. And I will remember my covenant which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. The waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. And then the third time he's mentioning, verse 16, the rainbow shall be in the cloud and I will look on it to remember The everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. And God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. Rainbow. Have you ever seen a rainbow? Probably more than once in your lifetime. And I'd like to encourage you to look at the rainbow next time. And think about the flood. Think about the promise of God. What he made to Noah. And he said, this is my rainbow. So the the rainbow belongs to God because it's a sign of his everlasting covenant what about eternity going back to revelation do you think that rainbow as such will be something we should always remember because God said that whenever I see the rainbow I will remember the covenant I made with, with you and, and with, between me and you And so it seems that even in the symbolic language, rainbow appears. And Revelation chapter 4 is about God the Father and about his character. Purity, self-sacrifice, justice and mercy and everlasting covenant. You know, in Revelation chapter 14, we just studied in the Sabbath school lesson that, according to the first angel's message, there is an everlasting gospel. And the rainbow is a sign of the everlasting covenant between God and humans. But we need to see something. In Genesis 6, 8, the Bible says, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So the basis for this covenant, which is symbolized by the rainbow, is nothing but the grace of God. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. But there is something else. Very interestingly enough, Revelation chapter 4 and verse 5 says something about the second person of the Godhead. Of course, in a symbolic language. Verse 5 says, And from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, Which are the seven spirits of God? What is this? Are there seven spirits? When we think about the Godhead, we mention the Father, the Holy Spirit, and the Son. Of course, in the lesson, we studied the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But interestingly, in Revelation, in chapter 4, you will see the Father sitting on the throne, full of purity, justice, mercy, self-sacrifice. And before the throne, we see the seven burning Torches, we can we can translate this way, torches, burning torches. Symbolizing, these are all symbolic. Okay, we need to understand uh, because the spirit of God doesn't look like a torch, of course. We don't know how the spirit looks like. But this is a symbolic language. Of course the question is why do we see seven of those torches? Oh, burning. So, what is behind the symbolism? Well, a few things we can think of. First of all, um, in the previous chapters, chapter 2 and 3, we can read about seven churches. So, Revelation 2 and 3 covers seven churches. And at the end of each message, you will find the same sentence. I'm just reading one. Revelation 2 and verse 7. It says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the, the Spirit says to the churches. And it is repeated seven times. Is it possible that God is expressing in a symbolic way that all seven churches will receive the same message from, not the same message, but a message from the Spirit of the Lord? Can we say that, that there is no disadvantage? We cannot say that one of those churches are more privileged, or some of them are more privileged than the rest. Maybe one is better than the other one. One has more chances than the other one. I don't think so. Because the same sentence is repeated. That if someone has an ear, I should say spiritual ears, then they would hear what the Spirit says. Same Spirit talking to all seven churches have you ever experienced that the spirit was talking to you in a worship setting and you did not look around because sometimes you have a temptation to look around and and say oh this message is for him or this sentence was because of her But have you ever experienced that as everything would have disappeared around you and you were just sitting by yourself listening to the voice of the Spirit? That's what God is telling us that we have seven spirits, meaning that in every age during the history between the first and the second advent. In every age, the churches had the same privilege of listening to the voice of the Spirit. And so whenever we, we hear the voice of the Spirit, we should say, this is for me. And you need to sense, you need to hear, you, you need to understand that the Lord, or the Spirit, is talking to you. And why is this burning, burning torches? Is, is there any meaning behind these burning torches? Well, I found a, an interesting Bible passage uh, uh, in, the, in the Old Testament, Jeremiah 20. Please come with me to Jeremiah 20 and just one verse. Verse 9. Jeremiah 20 and verse 9. Then I said, the prophet is speaking. I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak anymore in his name. But his word was in my heart like a burning fire. shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back. And I could not. What is this? Something is burning inside. He wanted to contain it. Even forget it. He said I will not make mention of him. I will not speak anymore in his name. Because Jeremiah suffered a lot. And they did not accept his message. And so this prophet said, I should give up. Don't speak anymore. But, when he was almost at the point of deciding, he felt something inside. And there was a burning burden, if you will. I think it was the Spirit talking to him. Like it was burning inside of him. And so he said no. I was almost at the point of deciding no. I will not speak anymore in his name. I will not make mention of him. But his word. Which we could interpret as the word of the spirit. Because he is talking to us was in my heart like a burning fire, shut up in my bones. I wanted to hold it back, but I could not. That's how the Spirit is motivating. The Spirit is moving. The Spirit is cleansing, purifying. So going back to Revelation, so the second person of the Godhead Is right there. And you can think about why is that so that the Spirit comes to the second place and not the Son. But I don't want to go into detail. I just leave it in your hands and in your mind. You would have a little homework at home. But what we normally say in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit comes in the third place all the time. But in Revelation chapter four, it seems that something has changed. The eternal father, who is the ruler of the whole universe, he's merciful, self-sacrificing, holy, complete purity. Second place, comes the Spirit. Like burning torches. And everybody has the same equal opportunity, if you will, to listen to the voice of the Spirit. Doesn't matter what time of history you live. It doesn't matter. The Spirit is the same. But if you go to chapter 5 of Revelation, there is the third person coming close to the throne. And let's read verses 4 to 7. This is chapter 5, verses 4 through 7. So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, Don't weep. Behold, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, has prevailed or overcame to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, And in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, not a lion, but a lamb, as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Lion, or lamb, or lion, lamb, both. It's interesting that in Revelation this is the only place where we can read the lion of the tribe of Judah. And there are 28 places in Revelation where you will find the Lamb. So which is more important? John is mentioning the lion from the tribe of Judah just once. And 28 times he's mentioning the Lamb. And I think the message is clear that it is a symbolic description of the self-sacrifice of Jesus. But of course, when it came to the war between Satan and himself, Jesus was fighting like a, a lion. And please don't forget that he is still the lion of the tribe of Judah so when he has to fight for you he would fight like a lion but when it came to self sacrifice he did not fight for himself and you probably remember the story of the the arrest of Jesus All four Gospels wrote about the arrest of Jesus. But in John, there is something. If you go to John chapter 18, you will find the story of Judas and about two to six hundred people with swords, with weapons. And they came to arrest Jesus and, uh, and Jesus asked the question, whom are you looking for? Jesus of Nazareth. Then he said, I am. This is another home, homework for you if you want to read John 18. You will find Three times, I am, I am. And when Jesus said this, I am, the Bible says, only John says, that they all fell down, including Judas. What happened? Was he fighting? Like a lion, although he was the great I am, he said, if you are looking for me, then let these people go. Let my people go. All the disciples just ran away. But the point is he did not fight for himself. And he was taken like a lamb. He suffered like a lamb. And he was crucified, murdered, killed like a lamb. And this is beautiful. If you have a concordance at home, you can look up all 28 appearances of, uh, of the term um, lamb that occurs. But this is the exalted lamb. Because he is sitting right on the throne. There is going to be some something in heaven. Let's turn to Revelation chapter twenty-one and then verse twenty two. Revelation twenty one and then verse twenty two. Something new in the new Jerusalem. 21 and verse 22 says, but I saw no temple in it. For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. Have you ever thought about this? God Almighty and the Lamb Are its temple. No temple anymore. There is no need for temple. Because God is right there. God and the lamb. Not the lion. And the lamb. And then if you uh, go to chapter 22. Verses 1. And then 3. It It says. And he showed me the pure river." Of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. They are sitting together on the throne. And verse three says, And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it and his servants shall serve him. Do you want to fix your eyes on a lion lamb? On the lion lamb? Because he is worthy. Going back to Revelation 5. He is worthy because the 24 elders and the four living creatures Are singing a new song. This is Revelation 5 verse 9. They sing, they say, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. So the Lamb. Is worthy to take the scroll. What is the scroll? Well, there are different opinions and I don't want to go into much detail, but one thing is for sure that he is, when he is opening those seals, salvation history unfolds. If you read the next few, few chapters in Revelation. So the history or Salvation history, if you will, is included, written in that scroll which had seven seals. And all seven had to be broken in order to open the scroll. Try to imagine a scroll who had seven seals. You had to break all seven in order to open, open this whole scroll and to, to unfold history but there is something more and i'd like to close with with another two short quotations which i found among the ellen white comments in the sda bible commentary this is volume 7 8 and if you need the page number is 967 and 968 it says, the Lamb of God is represented before us in the midst of the throne of God. She's comment, commenting on Revelation 5, verse 6. He is the great ordinance by which man and God are united and commune together. Thus men are represented as sitting in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Think about that. In the person of Jesus, glorified humanity is sitting on the throne of God. So thus, men are represented as sitting in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This is the appointed place of meeting between God and humanity. And then she's making a comment on verse 11. Verse 11, when uh, we, we we read that I looked, John said, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times ten thousand and thousands and thousands of thousands. She's making a comment on this part, which is very very interesting it it says that in their service these armies of heaven illustrate what the church of god should be and it says the church of christ on earth is amid The moral darkness of a disloyal world, which is trampling upon the law of Jehovah. But their Redeemer, who has purchased their ransom with the price of his own precious blood, has made every provision that his church shall be a transformed body, illuminated with the light of the world, of the world. Processing the glory of Emmanuel. The bright beams of the Son of Righteousness shining through his church will gather into his fold every lost, straying sheep who will come unto him and find refuge in him. They will find peace and light and joy in him who is peace and righteousness forever written in 1897 quite a long time ago there was a letter written to somebody and ellen white is is practically describing that the church should be as busy as these heavenly beings are busy working around the throne so we should gather into his fold every lost, straying sheep who will come unto him and find refuge in him. Are we providing an atmosphere at the Brooklyn Church where people can come and find refuge? Now that's our job. That's why we are here. And this is why Revelation is a beautiful book, because it talks about the Godhead, the Father, then the Spirit, in second place. Think about that. And then finally, the Lion Lamb. He is worthy of praise or praises seven times, praises seven times. Because of his self-sacrifice. And that's my prayer this morning that our good Lord would really help us to focus on true worship. Not on false worship because there are, there are false worships everywhere. False predictions. Whenever you go on YouTube, please be careful. You will find some strange stuff, strange things there. Be very careful. And then really follow the biblical principles when it comes to worship. And that's my prayer that we would see the Father who is merciful and loving. We would see the Spirit. That is burning inside of us. And we would see the lamb, lion lamb, who is worthy to take the scroll and break all the seals. So may God bless all of us. Amen.